a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Global Network's Digital Doers podcast. I'm really excited today. Uh, we're going to talk to someone with a lot of experience, and we're going to talk to him about kind of an exciting technology that most of us have heard about. But um, I bet this gentleman uh, knows a whole lot about that and also how you, you and your company can realize some value from that. So I'm anxious to get to that. Before I do, I want to say welcome again to the Oil & Gas Global Network, which is the largest network of oil and gas podcasts in the world. And we have 15 podcasts, and today you've joined us on the Digital Doers podcast. This is where we talk about digital capabilities and technology, and also a little bit about the intersection of that and a company's culture. So um, we're going to get to that quickly. But before we do, I also want to say thank you to um, HPE, which is our sponsor. And if you get a chance, go to hpe.com and take a look at their website. In particular, it's probably going to be easy for you to see some information on a new platform they have which is called their GreenLake platform. And they call that their edge to cloud platform. And the whole point is to make your cloud experience easy to use and value generating, regardless of whether you're on a public cloud or you're actually using it within uh, your own company infrastructure. So take a look. It's pretty exciting. HPE.com, GreenLake platform. And so with that, I think we're going to get started and actually meet our guest today. So I'm joined today by Ariel Avitan, who is one of the co-founders of Percepto, where, and he is the chief commercial officer. Percepto provides an autonomous inspection and monitoring platform, which includes drones that collect data to generate AI-powered insights for critical, critical infrastructure and assets. Um, Ariel is a big data expert. He's got in-depth knowledge of the challenges facing heavy industrial sites, and he has two decades of experience leading and facilitating team growth in the startup world. Prior to founding Percepto, Ariel was a founding member and VP of marketing for Signals Group, a data analytics company that delivers intelligence and insights to Fortune 500 companies. So Ariel, welcome to the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you for, uh, uh, for having me. 
Yeah, we're, we're excited. And we're talking to Ariel today. I'm sitting here in Houston, Texas, and Ariel is uh, around the world. Yeah, I'm uh, actually visiting our, our HQ here in uh, Israel, uh, normally based in Austin, Texas, but uh, came for a visit and uh, to have some uh, work done here. Great. Uh, but I understand it's not any cooler there than it is here. No, no. We're, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the same kind of heat, uh, same kind of humidity. It's, uh, it's basically being home out of home. <laughs> okay. So for those of you that, that I don't know when you might be listening to this, but um, Ariel and I are talking on a particularly warm July day. Uh, so uh, it, we're, we're both uh, enjoying the summer weather, if we, if we should, can say such things. <laughs> and so, Ariel, so tell us a little bit about Percepto. Sure. So uh, uh, Percepto started as a machine vision company seven years ago. Uh, where we try to uh, um, automate uh, drones uh, by using machine vision applications. So having the camera look at uh, pictures or video, uh, identify any objects that we want to uh, identify, and then fly based on, on what we identified. Uh, we pretty much or pretty fast understood that there's no hardware today that can solve problems for the heavy industrial sites. Uh, so we went on from only doing the uh, machine vision uh, to adding more capabilities like um, uh, highly ruggedized drones and fully autonomous drones, which is basically a drone that has a nest. The drone goes around, conducts missions, comes back, charges, and then goes again. And uh, that's how the DIB market uh, was born. DIB is a drawing a box uh, market. And, uh, you know, fast forward today, we're the most deployed drawing a box in the world, deployed in 13 countries. And we, we serve uh, four main pillars. The bigger one out of all of them is oil and gas. Uh, and then uh, power utilities, mining, and uh, any processing uh, sites out there. Uh, and the system, what it does it enables us to have an autonomous collector. So a drone that flies around and collects information on the site. And what we do with that information, we upload it into our software that starts creating reports and analyze the data so that the stakeholders, site managers, uh, can get a very accurate read and visualization of what's going on in their site and take action on any anomalies uh, that we find. Um, so that's us in a nutshell. Uh, we are uh, uh, based in, in Israel. Our R&D and product is based in Israel. Our operation is based in, uh, uh, in the U.S., both in uh, um, Texas and in Florida. And uh, yeah, that's how we serve the world. And so let me ask you about the, okay, so I think this sounds really fascinating, the only drones that come to mind when I think of them, you know, is you can see someone standing on firm ground that's using an iPad or a joystick looking thing. And that's what's flying the drone. But what I think you're describing with this drone in a box is a little different than that. Agreed. Um, the, the, the whole idea is is to really enable companies or and, and of course, 
based on our client base, you understand there's huge companies, right, that are moving forward, uh, really enable them remote operations, the ability to have systems on the ground, autonomous, and then, uh, and then you know, going on to missions to collect data and, and using that data afterwards on the software in order to look for anomalies. Today, there is another aspect that we need to discuss, which is regulations. Uh, the fact that the system is actually autonomous uh, in its technology nature doesn't mean that the regulator allows me to do so. We are one of the most advanced companies in the world in terms of regulations. We have six countries that we fly fully autonomous, remote, uh, and that really you know, increases the value of, uh, of our technology and capability. Uh, we're very advanced in, in our relationship with the FAA and how we get our own approvals. Uh, I think we, we have the first uh, uh, refineries in the U.S. that got beyond visual line of sight approval are uh, our refineries that Percepto got the approvals for them, and, uh, and we grow through that. Uh, a lot of that is maintaining a relationship and a track record with the FAA you know, we're very pro-regulation in the fact that we show them everything and we show how safe we are, what kind of security and safety measures that we have on the system in order for them to feel comfortable to give us the approvals that we need. Well, that was something I was going to ask about was regulations, because mm -hmm. in talking, well, several years ago, not recently, but that was uh, a limiting factor was this visual line of sight. Um, I agree. And, and, and so you you mentioned so really about half of the companies companies half of the countries in which you operate you have this ability to not maintain visual line of sight and operate. Is that what I heard you say? So today we fly in 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 these countries. Uh, with either remote operations or local operations without uh, without a line of sight. Okay, wow. Remote operations is where you want to go. And if, if, if you look at, you know, the huge companies, especially oil and gas and, and utilities, when they think about how they see the future, it's a lot to do with having a centralized location that can remotely operate different kinds of sites based on size and complexity of the site itself. And then today... We offer that uh, for some of the co companies that we work with, where in one city there is a you know a high tech like kind of a, a office, but that manages drones that are in completely other uh, locations, and these drones collect that information, bring it back into the software, and then anomaly uh, algorithms looks for for any changes that need to be addressed. Um, in other sites, we have people that are local. Uh, in the site, but doesn't ha but they don't have to go out to look at the drone, which is the limiting factor. Uh, and in some countries, we're still in you know line of sight approval and working with the regulator to get more advanced approvals. For okay. Them. So let me make sure I'm clear as well. If I understand the uh, your uh, approval, your permit allows you to have a, a drone that you don't have to maintain a visual line of sight on, mm -hmm. but it is within a defined facility perimeter. Is uh, that right? Yeah, completely right. Any waiver 
worldwide that we got is a site-based waiver. It's not a, you know, carte blanche, fly wherever you want. Got it. It's a site-based. There are rules that we yeah. keep on, uh, keep very strictly in order to make sure that we provide the value to our clients, but also be a safe uh, uh, entity within the airspace uh, that we fly. Got it. And so it sounds like there's a fair amount of variability from country to country. Very much so. I think that uh, I'll give you an example. Israel, the the airspace is very regulated by uh, by government. So it's a very different atmosphere uh, than the U.S. The U.S., you know, you can have a small aircraft and just fly wherever you want. And that's that that's a very limiting factor because we cannot... You know, we need to make sure that everybody plays safe in the in the airspace. So there are some countries that we have approvals and it's very easy to get them. Some countries that are very hard to get them because of that complexity in the airspace. Uh, but like I said, we are uh, working hard on, on the different regulators and providing the information they need in order to make sure that we, on the one hand, our clients get a system that that they can fully utilize, but and on the other, make sure that we're safe enough uh, uh, to be a valid player in the airspace. Great. And so I believe what I'm hearing is the uh, drone uh, capability is still uh, a while away from like being able to set the drone aflight and for it to fly a pipeline that is miles or tens of miles or hundreds of miles long. Mm -hmm. Linear assets are really the main, uh, I think the last frontier of a challenge okay. Uh, okay. for uh, for main systems. Uh, because of that, you know, long kind of turf, today it's much easier to get uh, approvals for site specific. If you take a site, have one or two systems working on the site 24 seven, uh, that's an easier uh, approval to get and also an easier concept for the regulator to get because the amount of risk in that specific site is lower than flying, you know, uh, you know, thousands of, uh, of miles on a pipeline. Yeah. Having said that, I think that there are, uh, uh, there are um, uh, advantages of using unmanned systems uh, on pipelines, even if it's a manned, like an end-to-end -end service at the end. The reason is, is because, you know, the, the, the flip side of, of not using that is using choppers or planes that cannot stay in one location once you find something or an anomaly. And it's a very costly effort. And yeah. today, Perceptor, for example, has a, a, one of the systems that we have, which is called the Air Max. It has an Air Max with an OGI system on it. And that really enables to collect data on any leaks that you have, right, if it's on site or on, on, you know, on a linear asset like a pipeline. And that, and if we do find a leak, we can linger there, we can collect more information so that the client has 100% uh, you know, visibility of what's going on and knows exactly when to come and what kind of equipment it needs to bring in order to close you know, that, that anomaly down. Great. And so what is OGI? Optical gas imaging. Got it. Thank you. Uh, so, Thank you. yeah, today in, in the oil and gas world, there's two ways or, well, three ways of looking for leaks. One is the famous soap and bubbles, uh, <laughs> which is basically still uh, how uh, a lot of the organizations work. 
The other one are what we call sniffers, uh, PIDs, uh, the ability for a sensor to uh, to uh, uh, register any type of uh, molecules that have to do with with a specific gas. And the third one is, uh, and that is coming in, is object uh, uh, gas imaging, which is a camera that has very sensitive, um, uh, be, uh, very sensitive uh, wa- sensitive waves, and enables to look for the fumes of, of different kinds of gases. And I think that the biggest advantage of OGI on the others is the fact that you're not in the risk area if there's a leak. So, for example. There are some drones today that have the PID, like a sensor on it. But if the PID, if, if the sensor senses a gas leak, that actually means that the drone is flying inside a, a cloud of, you know, of yeah. leak. And yeah. that's super dangerous because it's not a, an, an ATEX drone. It's not a class one dev two approved drone. And when you look at cameras, it's much easier to look at these uh, leaks from far, far away know that you have a problem it's all visual so the so the uh the, the personnel that will go in and address the problem can see the video understand where it comes from and reduces that risk for the site and for the personnel that takes action okay great that's that's fascinating yeah i agree uh being able to do a little more than just say something's wrong here right mm-hmm is very valuable uh, before sending someone in, I would think. Excellent. Yeah, All right. I, I think that the visualization part just gives everyone a, a much better understanding of what's going on, right? Like w- right. what situational awareness is key when you're going through, uh, you know, uh, potentially has hazardous uh, 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 event. And that, that, that ability to, uh, to fly a drone in minutes notice and collect that information just gives much more value. I can give you an example. Uh, we were, there was uh, a site that we are deployed in that had a fire in one of their refineries, uh, processing units. You know, we were up in the air in less than uh, two minutes and the site manager gets all the visual information, both day and thermal from a system that looks from above. So he knows exactly how the system, how the fire looks like, where is it going? Where are the people coming from? It's much easier to manage an event, right? By having that visual, uh, uh, that visual context. And, um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, today Perceptron is a position that it's not only about drones. We are introducing uh, ground rovers. We're, we're working with Boston Dynamics spots uh, uh, to collect the data. We're connected to fixed cameras, anything visual that can help us uh, collect continuous visual data on the site will help us get the site on the one hand much more safer. And I think that the most, uh, that, that, that another important part is to get the site much more efficient, which is you know, what we wanna uh, address when, when we're looking at sites like, sites like these. Excellent, that's a great example. Yeah, it's, I had a, a, a guest recently who talked a lot about the major role that he believed digital capability and technology was going to play in the oil and gas industry's journey through this energy transition. 
And I think you make a great point that, well, actually more than from just an environmental standpoint Mm -hmm. and what might be escaping from the pipe, um, there is this safety Mm. component and this efficiency component. And certainly all of that plays in, I think, to an overall ESG perspective, Um, because the reality is, or many of us believe, that during this energy transition, you know, it's not just about uh, renewables. It's probably for at least a good while, all of the above for us to meet the energy needs. I completely However, there are high expectations for the oil and gas industry to transform itself so it is stronger, I think, at being certainly lower carbon intensity Mm -hmm. um, and also lower cost. I I completely agree. I can give you an example. You know, if you fly a chopper to do uh, uh, the work, for example, on pipes. First of all, you have the emissions of the chopper itself, which is a big hurdle, right? And the cost is not even close to having, you know, service with a drone. But I think that another point that is super interesting to, to talk about is the fact that it's really hard to get working hands, right, in the oil and gas industry today. I am talking to our clients day in, day out, and I'm shocked at the level of, uh, of challenge uh, to get, you know, working hands with a very good pay uh, uh, jobs in, in, in the refineries. And then, you know, when, if, you're, uh, if you manage, um, you know, a, a site and if you manage an operation and if you manage a, an oil and gas operation, when you look into the future, it's not only about you know, uh, uh, how much barrels are we making a day? It's about who's going to do it. <laughs> and, and, and it's almost like that you have to go to technology in order to increase your ability or even maintain your ability, right, to produce what you're producing today. And you can see that, you know, the, the, uh, um, the average age is going up, right? The, 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 uh, to be a specialist, or to be someone with like experience, it's really, it's becoming rare. Not a lot of people know how to do what, what, uh, what, what is needed in the, in the refinery. And I think that technology uh, can really help in, in getting people zoned in. So for example, at the end, you know, the drones or any collector, data collector, what it does, it provides you the ability to understand that there's a problem, but somebody needs to fix the problem. Today, you're having, you know, a lot of people because some of them, half of their work is walking the line and half of it is fixing it. If an automatic system can walk the line, quote unquote, get that information, then the person that actually fixes does 100% of the fixing and just utilizes his time better. And I think that's also a big part of, of, a, of, of a problem today in the industry. The, the HR problem is something that we see growing on an ongoing basis. Yeah, you are absolutely right. Um, and I, I like, and I think you're exactly right on. It's going to become increasingly important 
not that it was ever not important, but it's going to be increasingly important for companies to be able to be most efficient at hunting, right? And that's what the drones can do. Your mm-hmm. people don't have to hunt. People can actually be focused on the fix. Exactly. And I think that's what you're saying. And and certainly technology is is very well suited with, you know, like you were mentioning the OGI and, mm-hmm. and other tools to hunt efficiently. And so with the few people that we might have in the industry, it probably makes more sense to have them applying uh, what they know to the fix. So that's a very good point. Let me ask you a question. So you you talk about the fact that not only do Perceptos drones go out and do reconnaissance and gather data, mm-hmm. but that then that data is downloaded, uploaded, something, so that actual reports that meet the needs of uh, management uh, or technicians is available. Is that a couple of days? I mean, t- talk a little bit about the time frame for turning what the drones gather into something meaningful. Well, it, it depends on the on the missions. Uh, the OGI data is is real time, so you actually see the fume in real time, and that that's something that uh, is uh, uh, that's that's super important. Uh, anything has to do with uh, anomaly detection uh, is either um, near real time, a couple of minutes, up into you know one hour, two hour, depending on the on the amount of data that needs to be crunched. Uh, uh, in order to use our AI. And uh, there are reports that are done, you know, every 24 hours. Uh, from a different industry, just an example, we work on in the solar construction industry. So a uh, very big solar site, a utility-scale solar sites, or any construction site. We actually did a couple of, uh, of refineries as well, or gas, gas sites as well. We fly every day and map the site, and then look at the changes every day on the construction, and that gives the the, the uh, project manager an ability to understand the um, plan versus actual. And because these projects are huge in scale and money, right? Every day that they're uh, that <clears throat> every day that goes above the scheduled end time is is a lot of money. So, giving that ability to know the day after, you know, if the actual is not where it is and why is it and why the subcontractors are not doing what they need to do gives the project manager a lot of power in order to make sure that he meets the time and the deadline. And and that's a daily report every day for months, if not years, right, to make sure we're on time. So it really depends on the, on the you know, the client's needs. Like uh, we would meet most of the client needs based on AI. It's just it's just a matter of you know what kind of reports he needs and when does he need it. Great, yeah. That creating that kind of transparency, um, I would think, would be very valuable. Thank you. And a drone much more efficient than having to get out in the pickup and drive around and look. Not that there's not other value, but um, so that's really interesting on on how. So, um, so let me ask you, what, how about like big, 
any any effects that Percepto uh, incurred as a result of like COVID nineteen or the war in Ukraine? Well, COVID nineteen. Wow, it's uh, because we we are a full service uh, company, and, and then when COVID nineteen hit, we were around around seven countries. To get the place to place was wow, that was that was a very big challenge. I think on the on the other side, the systems were overused because because of lack of people coming into to, to, to work, right? So now the system is doing things that it's not used to doing, uh, but collecting data for people that are working remotely and so on. But it was a real challenge to get there if we need to service the system. Uh, even companies that want to buy systems, it was hard to deploy them because we had to send people out. Japan was closed, you know, 100%. Australia, we have an office there and it was closed 100%. Like a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, limitations there. I think the Ukraine... Uh, Russia war. First of all, it it uh, we don't work in Russia or Ukraine, so in terms of the actual business, it doesn't affect. But it affects the oil and gas market. Like the oil and gas market today is just, you know, you can't get enough manpower to, to work, right? Um, and it affects us because we can see different kinds of missions that we need to do in order to make sure that we best support our clients. So. For example, uh, we support turnarounds right now, right? So we come in with two more systems so we can fly 24-7 and look at the turnaround in, in a way that it's much more efficient than turnarounds were done in the past. And it's because the clients want to shorten the time of turnarounds as much as they can because this is their time to, you know, to, to get into the business. Right, um, to get that higher price. Exactly, <laughs> to, get, to, get the, to get it up, uh, uh, up and running again. Yeah. And uh, if they need to do a turnaround, they're trying to crunch that time to make sure uh, that they're doing it right. And our systems collect data in a way that digitally they can understand, you know, exactly where the gaps are and move move faster. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, we can see that that you know the Ukraine uh, uh, Russia effect mainly on, of course, on our clients, but as a result of that, a lot goes to to us as well. Yeah, it's been an increased demand. It sounds like. Both of those situations. Increased right. demand and uh, uh, increase, um, increased demand and in, 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 uh, the diversity of the missions got, got bigger because of it. Okay. So do you ever encounter resistance by the folks in the field mm-hmm. um, to deploying you know, drone capability? I do. Uh, and it's it's understandable. There's a there's a you know a, at the end we're doing things that is called like field work, but in the new era, digitalization era. And I think that a lot of people who don't understand the system or never saw the system are very afraid about uh, of it, right? But like I said, we're not replacing uh, uh, people uh, and their jobs. We're just making sure that their job is much more efficient. It's like yeah. Nobody wants to walk the line. Nobody wants to do, uh, uh, you know, uh, another uh, 2 a.m. walk to look at gauges and and, and, and to look at the pipe. The system right. can do that. If they, you know, I can tell you, for example, uh, an exa- I'll give you an example. In, in a country that we have a full beyond visual line of sight, we fly all the 
the private transmission line that they have right in their site. It's about 600 poles. Before we came in, there were two trucks that were just driving right all the time looking at, at the poles because they cannot have power outages. At the beginning, when we said we can do it, they were very afraid. They, they have a union. It was a whole story like to, to get it up and running. And what we said, well, let's, let's do it in parallel. Today, the new people coming in to that, to that electricity team, they don't even know how to drive the car to, to, to get there. But they are so um, focused on actually solving problems, right, that the system sees. Right. And it elevates their ability to be much more uh, uh, professional in what they do because it's not a profession to walk, walk around with a camera and look for, you know, for, uh, for faults. It's a profession to, to fix the faults. So, you know, we do encounter uh, challenges. We understand the challenges. And the way for us to overcome the challenges is to show the system and show what it does and make sure that, you know, they feel comfortable with it. And how does the report look like? And how do you want it to look like? And what kind of issues that you want us to report? And who do you want us to report? We want to empower the people on, on you know, on the ground because it's coming. Like the digitalization age is coming. It's here. I think that oil and gas and utilities, while there's so much digitalization coming on the back end, right? Looking at numbers, SCADAs, like, and so on. On the front end, they're still in, like, you know, 80s mode, right? It's coming. And and we want to be enabling the people that are already there, right, to elevate the uh, the system, uh, the, the site, and make sure it's much more much more efficient. I like the way you you talk about that. And from my own personal experience a long time ago with a lot less advanced technology and digital capability. But when I kind of fell in love with technology is when I saw how empowering it was to the people on my teams. When they finally had the little click or the little light that went on that said, this is not replacing my job. This is allowing me to do something that's much more fulfilling to me. And I, that, and I think helping people get there uh, is really important um, because I do think that is a big value in technology. I completely agree. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we learned is that while management can can push on the need for technology, right? If it doesn't come from from the ground up, if people don't buy into the why am I using it and what kind of value it brings to me. What's in it for me? Yeah. Exactly. It it won't it won't fly. Literally. It won't fly. (laughs) But we need, you know. We need to work with, with the people on the ground. By the way, also because the amount of experience they have. I'm not an oil and gas person. Like, I can show a picture of saying, hey, the system found something, an anomaly. But he will say, eh, this is something that happens every four years and it's not a big issue. Or, wow, this is an indication that something's going to go on. Right. That experience is needed, right? Yes. But I'm just giving you the anomaly. And you yep. can tell me you know, what it means whether it's important or not. Exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, um, 
Ariel, thank you so much for being here today. I think uh, thank you. This this drone stuff is fascinating, and uh, I'm excited. I think there will come a time when uh, people are a little more comfortable, perhaps using it even more broadly uh, than current currently. But I, I understand the need for the regulations to ensure that progress is made, you know, safely. I, I certainly get that. But thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, what time is much. it? Where are you? Where it's you are? Uh, seven forty-three p.m. <laughs> okay. All right. So we've we've cut into your dinner hour, perhaps, and I really appreciate you being here. Well, I want to thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, you know. I hope I helped a little bit in in you know in that a little bit of a prisma into what's up with uh, drones in, in the heavy industrial world. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So thank you again, and for our listeners. Uh, Please thank you for hitting all of the right buttons so you could join Ariel and I today and have this conversation. And again, thank you so much to HPE. Um, and please, if you get a chance, go to hpe.com and take a look and learn a little more about their new GreenLake platform. So until next time, bye-bye. Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.